PR. It's not just a catchphrase. It's a passion. And it's a career. But sometimes, it can be a headache. So sit back and recover with this PR Hangover, a podcast of Grand Valley State University's chapter of PRSSA. I'm your host, Brady Mills, and this is probably the only hangover you'll ever look forward to. It's no secret that the world of public relations is a fast-paced career. And on top of that, most of the people in public relations are fast-paced people. One of those is Adrian Wallace. Dr. Wallace is a professor and advisor for the public relations and advertising program at GVSU. And she's really our go-to as students when it comes to all of our questions about PR, careers, uh, life. (laughs) And that's what we're going to for this episode today is, is a combination of all of those. Adrienne has a ton of real-world experience, and right now she's currently a digital strategist and project manager for Black Truck Media and Marketing, but she's also a teacher, a professor, a writer in many things in the field. Right now she's currently teaching a grad course at Syracuse while teaching public relations courses at GVSU while managing to write and do research all at the same time. All that being said, she's got a lot going on. In this episode, we talk about taking those healthy breaks as they make sense for you, what that what that looks like for students stepping away from school for a bit, but also managing the things that are necessary to be managed so that anxiety is not created. I learned so much from this conversation, and so I'm going to stop gushing about her and let you experience who she is. Here is Dr. Adrian Wallace. Well, Adrian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, really, really excited to hear from you. I know that in the past you've been on to talk about mental health and healthy ways to handle student life, professional life, pre-professional life. So very excited to, to hear you talk a little bit more about what rest looks like for you, um, if it's necessary, and, and all the steps that would be taken in that process. So thanks for being on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I don't, I mean, I'm not that kind of a doctor. So please know that this is only based on my personal experience and observations over the last several years. <laughs> I feel sometimes like when we talk about things like um, mental health and, uh, sort of wellness and well being that it can be misconstrued, like definitely get a good therapist in your pocket and make sure that you're seeing them regularly. So before we jump in, um, I just, to, for those of the people that are listening, that don't know you very well, could you give us a little glimpse into the life of Adrian? And I had, I had asked you to think about before the show, cause I thought this might give us a glimpse and maybe the answer still does, but, um, I wanted you to share what you think about when you're, when you're daydreaming, but what would you say to that? Well, I mean, I'm a 45 year old woman. I don't really daydream anymore. Um, I think that the time that I am engaged sort of in like purposeful thought, it's typically surrounding some kind of a problem or an issue that either I want to solve or that I want to become better educated on or something that I'm just naturally curious about. Um, I'm a researcher and an academic. So um, considering alternative solutions and possibilities, I don't think that's daydreaming. I don't, you know, sit around and think about like swinging in a tree from a willow or, you know, like it's not dreamy like that. It's very purposeful Um, because I'm a problem solver, you know, like every job I've ever had has been strategically aligned and trying to take something and create something or to break something and fix something 
or to improve the state of things. And so everything I, I do is pretty purposeful. I'm not a whimsical person. Um, I mean, you've known me a couple of years now, so you know that too, but I think in general, I have definitely reserved my energy for actually like making shit happen (laughs) and trying to really get it so that, um, I'm able to use that part of me. That's like really curious and like asks all those questions to do something or to solve something. So I don't have like a lot of whimsy. I never have. I've always been very, a very practically driven person. Um, Would you, and, say you know, decided decidedly unfun, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it's never like hurt my ability to make friends or, ha- you know, have fun mm-hmm. on my own. So would you say that there's a project or a idea that is constantly like kind of slipping in your mind in the in-between, like in between the day-to-day activities, do you have something that you're going to, or is everything that you're thinking about really more like, okay, now I'm focusing on this for a bit. Well, I think like there are lots of problems that I sort of have no solution to, right. That I'm continuously sort of like churning over in my brain, much like I'm sure you are, um, as a socially conscious young person. And that is, um, just the, like the general state of political affairs in the United States is something I think a lot about uh, right now. If you're not thinking about COVID, I'm not sure. Maybe you're like an empty shell or something, but I feel like that intersects every single decision I make lately. Um, I'm really concerned about the state of our institution and our university. And we've had some interesting weeks these last few weeks at Grand Valley. So I'm always thinking about you know how our students sort of like intersect or interplay with that. I mean, none of these things are you know necessarily my job, so to speak, but they're things that I'm like conscious of and curious to help solve or to help remedy in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you, you know, people that, that work in this type of job that are, that are really teachers first or professors first. Um, Cause that's just like one part of our, you know, one part of our job is, is being a professor or teaching. Um, they are thinking about, you know, their students all the time and like how they're engaging with the material or how they're engaging with them interpersonally or bigger problems in society. I mean, that's what liberal arts thinking teaches us is to focus on, you know, collective action and problem solving and things of that nature. So um, I also think like if you're daydreaming consistently about something, you should just maybe go do it. (laughs) And like, maybe, (laughs) maybe that's, where I'm sort of stuck on like when you provided this prompt to me, like, you know, beforehand, I was just like, I just go do stuff. If I'm thinking about it, I just will go and achieve it. Like, I don't know what's holding, you know, other people back, but if you want to go work on the Baja Peninsula, you should just do it. (laughs) Uh, We're like, we're, you know, we're in a place where we're able to do those types of things now. And so, um, you know, make stuff happen. I definitely just want to make things happen. I try not to like I don't know. I don't want to spend a great deal of time on things that I can't achieve. I really definitely just want to go do stuff and make it and make that, um, that propulsion and that difference. Hmm. I appreciate that. I think, I think, yeah, you want to go to France, go. Oh, oh, I'm going. (laughs) Yeah. Just go. Don't daydream about it. Make it happen. Do it. Manifest it and make it happen. Well, to go off that, uh, if you could just share, like, what are, what are some of the many, like the hats that you're wearing right now? And what does that look like for you um, when it comes to day-to-day activities? Just, just, just give us, before we get into like the, the processing of all that, give us what, what you manage. Um, 
this is like a trick question, I feel like. So <clears throat> I have um, sort of one foot in the academy and one foot in professional world always. And, um, you know, just like Dr. Leedy before me, this has been something that's been critical to my success in this um, sort of area in the space with students. And what brings me great joy, honestly, is to be able to um, be sort of that like conduit, that connection and making it less hard for the people that come after me. That's like a big part of, of how I became a mentor and how I became a professor and how I got in this um, space in the, in the first place. You have to think like the trepidation that you have right now going into professional world. I like, I've done this three times. I've like basically restarted three careers, you know? So um, I've worked in health communications, I've worked in government affairs, and now I'm a professor. And each time, I had no experience in the next thing, right? And so it is nerve wracking, but damn, I love a good challenge and you all know that. So I think the importance of like me having sort of like a foot in professional world and a, a foot in um, the academy helps my students first and foremost, but it also makes me much more interesting as a writer and um, gives me a lot better background maybe than, than uh, somebody that didn't have that experience. Mm. So I am an associate professor at Grand Valley in public relations and advertising. I am, um, I would say I'm more like a project manager or a, a strategist at Black Truck Media and Marketing with my good friend, Jason Dodge. And now my spouse works there also, also, which is very interesting. And um, I created um, a course, I'm a course designer and developer basically uh, sort of in all my spare time. And I recently created a class for Syracuse in their grad program on social media and digital media. And um, I've been teaching that the last couple semesters for them um, when I'm not teaching in Grand Valley. So um, those are like my three sort of like pillars, I guess. Uh, in each job, you have sort of certain things too. So like a professor is not someone that just shows up and like is being fabulous in front of your classroom. Like that job is not, that's not what we do. And if they are, they're really not that fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not going fabulously. Right. Uh, <laughs> true. True. So, um, you know, the, uh, the preparation and, and, um, you know, care that goes into crafting what happens in every class is really deliberate by your instructors. And that is not an accident that classes run smoothly over the course of a semester. Um, the second part kind of of being a professor at Grand Valley outside of teaching is research. And then the third part is service. So um, volunteerism to the institution, to the unit, to students, to the community is sort of that third service component. Now research is, I mean, can be anything really at Grand Valley. They're very flexible about what that definition means and it's up to your unit to kind of determine what they're willing to accept as that. But it's publishing in journals, writing books, writing book chapters, for some people it's blogging or making art. Um, it just really depends on, on your, um, on your degree and, and the place that you teach in. And on top of all that, I mean, you're, you're so accessible to students. I know you spend a lot of yeah. time communicating with students. It's gotta be a big part. <laughs> I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm of the age of people are always curious, like why I don't have kids. And then I tell them like what I do. And then they realize that I'm like, raising their kids when they send them to college, you know, like you have to have someone that you can come to and ask questions and not feel, you know, bad or, or terrible. And, you know, your, your parents don't know everything you do and you don't want them to. And I think it's important to have an ally that you can talk about things. I mean, 
I have definitely talked about literally everything to somebody at some, you know, some point within the student relationships I've developed with the Grand Valley because I just didn't really have, I don't know, I didn't have that accessibility to anybody. Um, I didn't, I don't know, I just didn't have anyone to ask these questions to or to just like have helped me through a process that was complicated. Just didn't have that. I mean, my, I don't think my parents still understand what I teach or do. Hmm. Um, and good luck explaining that to yours for the next 20 years. Uh, the, the other day I was listening to my, my brother's in digital marketing and I was listening to him try to describe what that meant <laughs> to my grandparents. And it was, it was so entertaining. I was like, you're doing great, Skylar. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing great, sweetie. Keep it up. It's fine. It's going to be fine. Yeah. It's not going to be fine. It's just, you know, I think that having, uh, that's a good discussion point actually, because generally, generationally speaking, I mean, we're dealing in things and your brother too, that we, you know, that they would have never even have experienced. And even my first few jobs and my, the thing that I would become, that I'm like a specialist, I guess, in, um, wasn't even available when I was in undergrad, like digital marketing wasn't like a thing in, you know, the nineties, uh, we were happy to have email addresses. So in all that you do, I think the first thing that comes to my mind is, wow, that requires a great deal of efficiency and being able to stay on top of things and like that. So has, has that efficiency always come naturally? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not afraid to mention this on this podcast because I feel like I, I definitely try to make this an easy talking point for everybody, but, um, I suffer from debilitating anxiety and a like, like a lot of our students, um, tend to like migrate into a profession like this, that is very like organized and characteristically like list making, um, and having to execute things in an order, um, which are all systems based and, der and derivative of, um, and so I look at like efficiency is more like a symptom of the production and the systems that I have to deploy um, in order to mitigate my actual like medical symptoms. And so um, something that I sort of have always been teased about is just how organized I am with projects and um, even, you know, my approach to classes, which is more like a project management um, sort of like philosophy than like just a like I print a syllabus and you're supposed to follow it. I'm like checking in with students like a couple times a week. And um, because I feel like there with anxiety and, and, and I'll even like extend this to depression, there are only certain things you can control about those, about with those two specific um, um, illnesses. And when you think about how it affects you, um, anxiety, a lot about it, a lot of anxiety is about controlling or the lack of control. Right. And so I have always found it, um, very relaxing and reassuring to have systems that I've created, um, that can be deployed at key times for things that I do all the time, like over and over and over and over again. Right. Um, and so without, you know, the absence of systems is chaos. And that's honestly my worst nightmare because, um, I, um, I don't love the idea of that. Although like strangely, I thrive in chaos and have had a product of, I'm a product of chaos from my childhood. Um, and so, you know, systematically that is something that, you know, weighs in on every decision I make. And so building systems is important to being efficient. Uh, being efficient is a good use of time. <laughs> you know, less time is less billable hours in public relations and, you know, advertising and so on. And um, I've always just really tried to be efficient with the time that I spend so that I'm giving the best product but also not wasting time or anybody else's time. Um, so if they want to go daydream, they can. 
But do you? But yeah, you won't find me like doom scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. Like that's not a good use of anybody's time, nor good for your mental health, as studies have shown. So you won't find me doing that because it doesn't serve me. Hmm. Hmm. And do you find it like like where where's the role then of? Do you, do you do you separate these things in your head? Because I think I might be asking this because of how I see it. But I don't want to. I don't want to throw a framework on you do you see it as this is when i'm on doing things and this is when i'm resting like where's that role of like recharging in your life yeah so i will say like this is something that i i think a lot about you know when i'm trying to make systems or trying to solve problems is like the role of like the break right like uh is that you know where is that factored in how does like being tired um, factor into anything. I'm going to go back right back to systems, you know, systems and anxiety here, which is to say like, when I'm at my worst, when I'm not well rested, when I'm not well hydrated. And when I feel like I'm not organized, those are like the three times that I feel like the most anxious, I would say. Um, and that's the, all those things I have control over. Um, and so I'll go back to like preventative maintenance of anxiety, which is to say, know where you are the worst at <laughs> and try to build your best systems around those areas. One of those things is procrastinating, which I see in a lot of students right now. Uh, and that is totally avoidable and contributes to anxiety when you're not uh, well-programmed, let's say. But when I think of rest and I think of restoration, I guess, or, um, or sort of being refreshed, I think about that mostly in terms of like sleep or time off project of any kind. If that's time off project of cleaning my house or time off project of writing a chapter for a book or time off project of prepping for class, it all sort of is the same. To me, rest is rest. Um, so I'll, I don't know, self-awareness is a really big key to all of this, right? You have to understand who you are and how you do best and how you thrive. Um, consequently also how you do not thrive. Um, and so rest to me is taken in smaller chunks over time. And I don't do well with like large chunks of time. Mm -hmm. I feel like what has happened to us in an electronic society is that the more time you are, let's say away from your inbox, the more anxiety I have actually about going back. Mm -hmm. So let's say I like exited my workload, just fine to go on vacation, for example, turn on your out of office. Of course, everybody respects that, right? They never text you for a non-emergency. Of course not. Who would do that? But then you get into your vacation mode and let's say like, you're really not doing work. Like you're trying to honor the system and not do a ton of work. I find that like the idea of going back after having done nothing is actually worse for me than if I were to do a couple of things, like just make sure I don't have any emergencies or fires burning or read a couple of books that will help me with my next project. But that's also because I've built like this life I don't want to escape from, you know, like I have deliberately built a life that I really like living um, and don't mind being in. And so, you know, work to me feels so work to me is like not like nine to five anyway. I mean, I have a much different schedule than, you know, a person that works like a quote unquote regular job. Um, you know, I do most of my work in clumps, I would say. Um, and you know, what's funny is I started to kind of look into like productivity, um, after I left firm life, because I didn't really know who I, how I was product productive as an individual. And a lot of academic work is done in, is done by yourself. Mm -hmm. It's like a, <laughs> it's like a silo. And so 
that didn't work out for me. Like that was not, I'm not a person that can just sit in my office by myself. I'm a really collaborative and um, curious person, which rely on other people to improve results as opposed to like thinking I have all the solutions inside of me. I don't think that way. I think like me plus other people create the best, um, the best solution. And so just building those systems. So back to rest, um, within those systems, part, part of what I know about myself, because I'm self-aware is that I can't just drop everything and call it a day. You know, I can't do that. That's not part of who I am. And I don't enjoy that for that matter. It makes me more anxious upon re-entry basically. It takes me a few days. If I go on vacation, you know, my husband and I know that we need a couple of extra days to get into vacation, like to go on vacation and a couple of days to come like out of vacation because it makes me anxious and it makes me nervous to travel, for example. And I, you just have to know these things about yourself. And I mean, I know I'm not alone because travel's the worst it's ever been, <laughs> you know, now for sure. Right. But just like, you know, I'm the partner in this relationship, for example, that I'm the prepper, right? Like I'm getting the car ready. I'm getting the dogs ready. I'm getting our snacks ready. I'm getting all the things re- like ready to make it happen. And that's like, that's part of effort and work and workload. And, you know, you'll start to identify these things in your own, in your own life as well, as you kind of like start to get mm, more savvy with your time. So I know that I just need some more time to do that because I have a really, I have a lot of responsibility in my job and it's not like something you can just drop and run from. So if like to a student who's about to take or is on winter break, the um, semester break, do you like, how do you suggest mitigating that anxiety while, while fully being able to say like, okay, this yeah, is in between semesters. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be doing all this right now, but then again, that, that buildup, we all yeah. feel it. So. Well, there are two things that occur to me. Number one, the university calendar is not like real life. This is like, this is not, you don't get a three to four week break every winter and a two week break at spring break and a fall break and, a, and a, you don't get all these breaks. You have a crude vacation time and you spend it how you want to. Um, sometimes that's seven days. Sometimes that's 14. Some days that's 21. It's usually in a weekly system. A lot of um, employers are going to things like unlimited vacation, but there of course are caveats to that, that really don't mean unlimited, for example. Um, but I would say like, there's never a time in your life where you're just doing nothing. And so I would really hesitate to build a habit around that because it's just not realistic. And I don't think, and I'm not, this is, I'm not saying don't rest. That's not my point here. But what I'm saying is what I see happen to students is they take this break. They don't get their books until the first week of class. They don't prepare their, their personal calendars are not keeping up. And so the first week of re-entry into class is awful. It's terrible for professors. It's terrible for students. People's hair is on fire. There's crying. I mean, it's insane. So what I'm saying is like, take a more moderate approach to that and do your preparation in a way that is like self-learning and honors. I mean, that's self-care too. Like all this fuss about self-care does not mean like go lay on the couch for three weeks in a row. Every responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And like dump everything on your parents and become an infant again. That's not real. Um, And, you know, this is just all like, you're trying to build a better professional and a better person. And I'm not saying your, your work has to be your whole life. That's not the lesson here. Um, But what I am saying is that you have to prepare for the life that you want and the life that you need. And that's not sitting on your ass at home and letting your parents cook and clean for you. Um, 
And, you know, a lot of students are moving back in with their parents after, you know, graduation and stuff. And that's up to you. That is a totally viable option. Is that the best for your mental health? Is that the best for their mental health? Is that the best for your future? I don't know. I can't make that determination. You can, but you know, there's lots of opportunities to do things on break that still keep you fresh and, you know, learned and entertained and, you know, refreshed at the end, um, that don't include being a couch potato or, you know, just forgetting to text back your friends for three weeks in a row or whatever, like you still need those things, um, as a social being. So I think it's really important to just like, it's moderation, right? This is not an on off switch. This is a spectrum. Um, you know, we're living not in black and white, but in gray, like there's all sorts of metaphors you can use. Um, but particularly like there isn't an on off switch. Do I love having spring break in the middle, you know, between February and March and like going to Mexico and laying on the beach for five days? Yes. I love that. Um, but it doesn't, you know, come as an, I don't like abandon everything and, you know, (laughs) drink until I drop. I mean, I would love to be able to do that, but that's also not healthy. Like no extreme is healthy. Right. Right. This is a moderate sort of like moderation driven lifestyle. I like what you said about project or what was it? Um, time off projects. Is that how you described it? Because I, yeah, like I found like, yeah, cleaning the house is one more thing to do. But when I see that as like my, like that, that for me is rest because it's like, wow, I can catch up on the things that make like fuel me in the background. Um, and like, that's an example for me, but I, I think there's something to be said about you can, yeah, you can do those projects and you can be like chipping away at those things that take care mm-hmm. of yourself without seeing it as like, oh, yeah. I have to get this done. Right. It's not an on off switch. I mean, like <clears throat> I have a really hard time with a lot of um, stuff that's put out on social media, for example, about rest and relaxing and whatever. It's not just like flipping a switch. I just keep going back to this idea of like mm-hmm. on versus off. And it's just not like that. Um, and I don't think we're built for that anyway. Like, I feel like we still need people. We still need interpersonal relationships. We still need to engage with other humans um, in whatever way that is. Um, and I was laughing when you're talking about cleaning, because like literally cleaning is one of the things that I've all, that has always been. And for a lot of anxious people, cleaning is like the antidote to like not being able to make things stop on the inside when you're really anxious. Um, you know, I can't even tell you the amount of walls I've washed in my lifetime, but, um, you know, it's just like anything else you have to like honor how you're feeling in that time. If in that time, let's, let's say over the course of the week, three of those days need to be really actually rest, like physical rest, then you should do that. If they don't, then don't do that. Like some people don't need that, you know, extended do nothing time frame. Um, to me that actually, you know, I was just talking to my husband about this a couple of weeks ago because I stood up like one night in the middle of watching some show. And I was like, I am anxious. <laughs> like, I just like announced it in the living room. And so, you know, we took a second to talk about what could be causing this and what could be causing that. And part of that is like this idea of rest is like, I really enjoy working. I know that makes me weird. But like, I love the topics that I research. I love my research partners. I love reading in my genre. I like reading just for fun. I love listening to podcasts, like, like extended learning opportunities is relaxation for me in some areas. And so like the idea of like throwing in a podcast and taking a walk, that might be somebody's work. I don't know, but I think it's cool. And I really like learning. So that's one of my hobbies. If I can go back to, cause I think a big key piece of this is like what you had said. And just now too, that you like the life that you've built. 
Yeah. I built a world, I built a world I don't want to escape from. Right. Right. So (laughs) like, how do you suggest to students that are feeling, I I mean, this is like the time when we're kind of like looking at, okay, what, what pieces do I like? What did I get involved in that? Mm -hmm. Like I need to readjust. How do you, how do you go about that self audit? And were there times when you weren't in that spot and what did you do to, to get, get, to get to where you are now? Yeah. Um, so previous to the life that I've built that I didn't want to escape from, I definitely did have a life I wanted to escape from. And I'm not talking about like firm life. I'm talking more like uh, my personal life, um, several, several years ago. And when I stopped that, um, you know, there's definitely like a breaking point, uh, that I won't get into on this, but I'm happy to talk to you privately about, um, you know, I decided there were just things that I wasn't going to do anymore that weren't healthy for me. They weren't going to be healthy for any partner that I was with. They weren't going to be help happy, make me happy or healthy period. Um, I'm pretty self-aware, like I'm not, you know, the perfect match for everybody. And I don't do things how everybody probably loves tied up in a bow. Um, and I definitely have an opinion on a lot of matters, but I decided that for example, more friends was not the answer for me. Better friends was the answer for me. Right. So like, there's these things that you kind of get caught up in and say college or just out of college, which is like more friends, more socializing, all this more, more, more is better. And I decided for me, it wasn't better was better. (laughs) And so, um, that's something I also have taken into client work. That's, I mean, that to me, that's where I stand. It's like, I want better opportunities, better things. And I want to better know myself. Um, and in that I can discard things that don't serve me and that I can't contribute to meaningfully. Um, and anyone that's tried to be like a close friend to me knows that it's just really hard for me to maintain a lot of interpersonal relationships. I have to do smaller groups better. Um, that fulfills me more. And that also makes me feel like I'm contributing more to somebody else's life, for example. And so, while I know a lot of people, my network is very large and I really enjoy that people that I would say that really, really earnestly know me are, it's a very small, um, you know, collaboration of folks that know each other also, because we've all sort of made these decisions. Um, so that's just one thing. I mean, you don't have to do more things. I think do the things that you really love better. Um, you know, students that I see that are overextended are doing nothing better. They're doing a lot of things, all of them sort of half-assed and that serves not them and not the people that they're working with or for. Mm-hmm. And so if that means that they have to say no to something, um, and then just kind of like retreat from that thing, instead of being so spread out, that's going to serve you better and be more meaningful to you. Not to mention the product that you're delivering, if that's a relationship or if that's support, or if that's like literal work, it's going to be better. And, uh, you know, more reliable. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a common, you know, person thing, not just a young person thing, which is to spread yourself so thin that you feel like you're doing everything that I have all these opportunities and, you know, I, you know, I'll, I'll go back to one of my good friends who always, um, tells me that no is a sentence. Uh, and I laugh because Julia Bacchus on another, um, podcast said that to somebody. And I was like, I think she probably got that from the same person that I got that from, which is funny because that's something we just don't do very well at. But I think like in terms of like rest, you have to decide where your time is being spent so that you can preserve time where you need to preserve time. Um, I also just don't go to stuff that I don't care about. (laughs) 
Uh, if I'm invited to a meeting and they really need me, which might be the case, but I don't like care about whatever that causes, I'm just not going to do it. Um, and I'm not going to feel bad about it. And many times I'll say, yeah, I can't do that, but you know, let me give you three other folks that might really find, you know, happiness within this space. Um, and, you know, I think like one of the problems that plagued me in my twenties was being a bad quitter, uh, even through like a bad marriage, not being able to quit that. Um, and I've gotten much better at that. (laughs) I'm still not great at it but I've gotten much better at quitting things that I don't need anymore or that I don't like doing or that like, as it's approaching, I'm just regretting it all the, you know, the whole time. I don't want to do that thing. I just don't know. And Mm. I don't not show up. I just say, I'm not going to do it. Mm. Um, And you have to be kind of like, I don't know. You have to be smart about where you spend your time and savvy about what you need and want and what serves you the best. And this is not to say that we all need to like only worry about ourselves. That's not the the moral of the story here, but rather like, where do you make your best contributions to the whole Mm -hmm. and how can you be your best person in this society? Even if we're going to get like, you know, really mega about it. I really appreciate how you said all that. I, yeah, I think there's so much to be, to be like focused on and learned there. And I think for a lot of the students that like this anxiety is a natural go-to when you are committed to things, how do you, how do you battle the anxiety of, of saying, of like of getting out of it? Cause saying no, once you get into the no habit, it, you can stop those things before you get into the yeah. pickle, but when you're in the pickle, you know, that builds up. So how, how do you, how do you, yeah, honesty, that? you have to just be honest. Um, like what happens is you want to lie about something or you just stop showing up, which is actually really gross and not great for your reputation, uh, professionally or personally for that matter. And I think like, you know, and, and I can only speak to my own experience here, but when I've seen it, when I've done it myself and I'm in something and I just can't make it work, like, I don't know, I had a a situation where like, let's just say one simple thing. I had a a thing that I was committing to, and then another thing that I was committing to. And then all of a sudden those meetings were like at the same time. And like, I couldn't have stopped that from happening, but like, I definitely favored one over the other. Um, and so I just went to the one that I didn't favor. And I just said, you know, I've really enjoyed my time here. Um, but I have to step back from this, you know, responsibility and this commitment because I can't, I just can't do everything. You know, I can't do all the things. So this literally has a time conflict with something that's at exactly the same time. And I have to choose. And so I'm choosing this over that, you know, can I, can I backfill my spot? Do you need another volunteer or whatever it was? Usually these things for me are volunteer opportunities. Um, which I mean, it's easy to feel guilty about quitting something like that because they do need you. Um, you know, but like also, um, you know, you can't do all the things. And I have started thinking about it in this way. If I'm, I actually just moved, um, a a junior level person from a, um, a committee, a committee spot to a chairman spot in a committee that I, that I was on because I was sort of feeling like I don't have time for this, but I don't know what to do because no one else will take it. And then one day she said something in a meeting that seemed to me, to me, like, like it had like, it was like glittering. It was like a, you know, like the ray of sunshine came down from heaven and like shone upon this girl. It was this whole thing, you know, in my mind, I was like, she's telling me that she's ready for responsibility. And I have been ignoring that because I was just worried about having to always be the person that did all the things. Yeah. But instead what I wasn't hearing from her was I'm ready, Adrian, (laughs) 
you, you coached me, you helped me in this spot and I'm ready to be you. I'm ready for you to go <laughs> get the hell off this committee. And I'm going to be the boss of the committee now. And it took me a minute. Cause I wasn't ready for that. Cause it's not, it doesn't happen a lot, but I just wanted to honor her ambition and recognize that. And it took me a second because one, no one did that for me. I had to like elbow my way into that spot probably. Right. But you know, it's up to our generation to recognize leadership capacity in other people and bring them along. <laughs> and I have always done that, but I just, this one time hadn't recognized that she was like trying to find the words to ask me to be the person, right. To be the person in charge. Um, and she said that in such a way that I like was like, Oh, is this, Oh, do you mean whatever? Cause she wasn't being explicit about it either. And she was like, yeah, I would, I think that would be really cool. And I was like, Oh, well, you just solved like three problems. Cool. You know, I get to go to do this other thing. You come here. Like it was like chess pieces. Right. So I think like some of that is like listening to the ambition of other people too. Um, and making sure that you're helping them achieve what they want to help to have what they want to achieve. It's so counter to the, the anxious, like wanting to do things with the right mind to be like, oh, it could actually be empowering to someone else for me to just yeah. finally, re, re, finally out loud, recognize that I can't do this to the capacity that I would like to be able to. And someone yeah, else. Yeah. And it, and it just felt to me like giving up, right? Like, oh, I'm yeah. letting a bunch of people down. Cause that's how like my mind works right. that I was like putting other people off or in a spot that would not serve them. And instead what I was missing was that somebody, and I wish she would have just been like Adrian, I'll just share, you know, I wish that would have happened, but that wasn't her personality and I can't put that on her. But, um, you know, it worked out how it was supposed to work out. It probably took a little longer than maybe it needed to, but uh, now that's also something I've learned from and I can like listen for. Mm. Mm. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, is there anything else like to this conversation or, or a piece of it? Like if you had to look a student in the eye from this conversation and say, take this or one more additional thing, uh, what, what comes to mind? I'm sort of like over students doing this thing. And I'm going to complain a little bit here because it's, it serves the same purpose. Uh, and also makes me feel a little bit better, but students that say yes to things and then go back to the first thing, because the fourth thing was cooler or better or nicer. And then they just dump the first thing. Like, that's not what I'm saying either. Mm -hmm. Like you should be looking at the opportunities as they arrive. And instead of saying yes to everybody and then going back and having to say like, no to the first two, you need to weigh those first and then place your bets, <laughs> you know, then wager where you want to wager. Um, but that's something that's become increasingly frustrating. I think, especially with my involvement in student clubs is our students that commit and they just like, don't respond. They don't um, stay active or whatever. And, and it comes to find out they actually found something else. Just quit the thing. Like it's okay to find something else. But don't say yes to all, you know, to, you know, all the suitors and then go back to the first one and be like, sorry, it wasn't a match. Well, like 20 minutes ago, it was a match. Mm -hmm. Like what's happened with that within that time. So uh, the other thing is like quitting something is fine. Give them a date, a couple of weeks, let them help them fill your position, do the respectable thing. Don't just like drop out and like walk away. I mean, like part of professionalism and like growing up and honoring commitments um, but also honoring yourself is doing the right thing when it comes to leaving so that when you leave, it's a good, you know, you haven't like burnt the bridge to a crisp and now no one can walk across it. And I've seen that a lot lately. And it's really disappointing, especially as somebody who's built that bridge, <laughs> um, to watch somebody just like carelessly sort of like 
you know, torch something like that when, uh, it, you know, it took a considerable effort on somebody else to make that happen. Um, this whole like self preservation thing can still be done honorably by being able to inform people around you and like make it work. Um, but I think in general, like we have to consider these choices more carefully, um, so that we're, we're honoring the system period so that you, you know, if you're in four clubs and they're very taxing, then, and if you need to let one go, then put the notice in and then back out, but don't just continue to collect things and in, you know, disappoint, 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 because something cooler or shinier or newer, Mm -hmm. um, comes along, like just give the two weeks, help fill the spot, pass it off better than what you inherited as like this whole, like better the system thing. Um, is something that I just really need to reiterate to young people because in the workforce, um, cutting and running is not going to, you know, be okay for your, your references list. Um, and it's the same thing, you know, and I've had students that have done this to us and like PRSSA or grand PR have taken on leadership roles and then cut and run and then called me up to like, ask me for a reference. And I've just said to them, like, I'm really sorry. I'm not, I mean, I'm going to tell them the truth. So you decide what you want me to tell them if you put me on that list, because I'm going to tell them what happened. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you have to preserve, to preserve that relationship. You just, you do need to do the right thing if you're going to step away Mm -hmm. or say no. And that is to like, give a notice, you know, clean it up, hand it off so that someone else could immediately start. And then it doesn't like set the whole organization back or somebody else doesn't have to take over your stuff. Like that's really irritating and sad and totally preventable. Um, and yet you, and then you can still like, you know, you're still satisfying what you need, which is to leave. And then that person that is taking, you know, over isn't suffering because of it. And that's just the right thing to do, (laughs) you know? So that would be my last sort of like little piece that I need people to consider. Uh, and then the second thing is just gratitude. I've been having a lot of conversations about gratitude lately. Send the note like you did Brady. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. note. That made my day and, you know, make sure that people that do you favors are, you know, you thank them. You don't need to like buy them something fancy, but like a nice email or a cleverly worded thank you does mean a lot to people. Mm-hmm. And it will make them more apt to like care about what they say about you. Mm-hmm. So gratitude. Okay. So how can students reach you if they, um, I mean, if you, you can't find me, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you, can't right use, maybe you can't use Google. I don't know. <laughs> I am very findable. I am always around. Um, my email at school, you can find on gvsu.edu backslash SOC, like school of com. Um, if you need me further past that, you can ask me for my phone number. I am text friendly. Uh, most people <laughs> I feel like are on a Slack channel with me somewhere. So you can always find me there and, um, you know, certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. I do have sort of like a hurdle that you have to jump through on LinkedIn because I've had some sort of unsavory LinkedIn experiences in the last few months. So uh, you have to follow me and then also connect with me. Okay. okay. Well, thank you. Thanks for being on. You're welcome. Really appreciate Thanks for it. doing this. Of course. Adrian is perhaps the most accessible professional professor, everything that I've ever talked to. And um, if, if you don't have her contact information, I'm going to drop it in the show notes below make sure you check that out and make sure you introduce yourself if you're a student at GVSU. She is an incredible resource, an incredible woman, and a help in whatever area of life that you might be needing help or a word of advice in. She's been there for me. She's been there for every student I know in the program. 
So I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Dr. Wallace today, and we will see you next time on PR Hangover.